0: CHAPTER forty five OF THE LANDLEAGUERS. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The LANDLEAGUERS by Antony Trollope. CHAPTER forty five. MR. ROBERT MORRIS. One morning, a little later in the summer, about the beginning of August, all Galway were terrified by the tidings of another murder. MR. Morris had been killed-had been dropped, as the language of the country now went-from behind a wall built by the roadside. It had been done at about five in the afternoon in full daylight and as was surmised by the police with the consciousness of many of the peasantry around he had been walking along the road from kong to his own house and had been dropped and left for dead by the roadside dead indeed he was when found not a word more would have been said about it but for the intervention of the police who were on the spot within three hours of the occurrence a little girl had been coming into kong and had told the news the little girl was living at kong and was supposed to be in no way connected with the murder "'It's by some of them boys this side of Clonbur,' said one of the men of Kong. No one thought it necessary after that to give any further explanation of the circumstances. Mr. Robert Morris was somewhat of an oddity in his way, but he was a man who only a few months since was most unlikely to have fallen a victim to popular anger. He was about forty years of age, and had lived altogether at Mina's Cottage, five or six miles from Kong, as you pass up the head of Loch Corrib, on the road to Maum he was unmarried and lived quite alone in a small house trusting to the attention of two old domestics and their daughter he kept a horse and a car and a couple of cows and a few cocks and hens but otherwise he lived alone he was a man of property and had indeed come from a family very long established in the county people said of him that he had five hundred pounds a year but he would have been very glad to have seen the half of it paid to his agent for mr morris of Minus cottage had his agent as well as any other gentleman he was a magistrate for the two counties, Galway and Mayo, and attended sessions both at Cong and at Clonbur. But when there, he did little but agree with some more active magistrate, and whatever else he did with himself, no one could tell of him. But it was said in respect to him that he was a benevolent gentleman, and but a year or two since very many in the neighbourhood would have declared him to be especially the poor man's friend with five hundred a year he could have done much with half that income he could do something to assist them and something he still did he had his foibles and fancies but such as they were they did not tread on the coins of any of his poorest neighbours he was proud of his birth proud of his family proud of having owned either in his own hands or in those of his forefathers the same few acres and many more also for his forefathers before him had terribly diminished the property there was a story that his great-great-grandfather had lived in a palatial residence in county kilkenny all this he would tell freely and would remark that to such an extent had the family been reduced by the extravagance of his forefathers but the name and the blood they can never touch he would remark they would not ask as to his successor because they valued him too highly and because mr morris would never have admitted that the time had come when it was too late to bring a bride home to the western halls of his forefathers but the rumour went that minas cottage would go in the female line to a second cousin who had married a cloth merchant in galway city to whom nor to her husband did mr morris ever speak there might be something absurd in this but there was nothing injurious to his neighbours and nothing that would be likely to displease the poorer of them but mr morris had been made the subject of various requests from his tenants they had long since wanted and had received a considerable abatement in their rent hence had come the straitened limits of two hundred and fifty pounds a year they had then offered the griffiths valuation to explain the griffiths valuation a chapter must be written and as no one would read the explanation if given here it shall be withheld indeed the whole circumstances of mr morris's property were too intricate to require or to admit elucidation here he was so driven that if he were to keep anything for himself he must do so by means of the sheriff's officer and hence it had come to pass that he had been shot down like a mad dog by the roadside county galway was tolerably well used to murders by this time but yet seemed to be especially astonished by the assassination of mr morris the innocence of the man for the dealings of the sheriff's officer were hardly known beyond the town-land which was concerned and then the taciturnity of the countryside when the murder had been effected it was not such a deed as was the slaughtering of poor florian jones or the killing of terry carroll in the courthouse they had been more startling more alarming more awful for the tradesmen and such like to talk of among themselves but the feeling of mystery there had been connected with the secret capacity of one individual every one in fact knew that those murders had been done by lax and all felt that for the doing of murders lax was irrepressible but over there in the neighbourhood of clonbur or in the village of Kong, lax had never appeared there was no one in the place to whom the police could attribute any lax-like properties in that respect the slaughtering of mr morris had something in it more terrible even than those other murders it seemed as though murder were becoming the ordinary popular mode by which the people should redress themselves as though the idea of murder had recommended itself easily to their intellects and then they had quietly submitted all of them to taciturnity they who were not concerned in the special case the adjustment that is of mr morris's rent accepted his murder with perfect quiescence as did those who were aggrieved Nobody had seen anything. Nobody had heard anything. Nobody had known anything. Such were the only replies that were given to the police. If Mr. Morris, then why not another, and another, till the whole country would be depopulated? In Mr. Morris's case a landlord had been chosen, but in other localities agents and sheriff's officers, and even those keepers on a property which a gentleman is supposed to employ, were falling to the right and to the left. But of Mr. Morris and his death, nothing was heard.' York Clayton, of course, went down there, for this too was in his district, and Hunter went with him, anxious if possible to learn something. They saw every tenant on the property, and indeed they were not overnumerous. There was not one as to whom they could obtain evidence that he was ever ferocious by character. "'They've got to think that they have the right to it all. The poor creatures are not so bad as them that is teaching them. If I think as the farm is my own, of course I don't like to be made to pay rent for it.' that was the explanation of the circumstances as given by mrs davies of the hotel at clonbur and it was evident that she thought it to be sufficient the meaning of it according to captain clayton's reading was this if you allow such doctrines to be preached abroad by members of parliament and land-league leaders to be preached as a doctrine fit for the people then you cannot be surprised if the people do as they are taught and hold their tongues afterwards this mr morris had been the first cousin of our poor old friend black tom Daly, good god he exclaimed as soon as he read the news sitting in his parlour at daly's bridge there is bob morris gone now bob morris of minas cottage exclaimed peter bodkin who had ridden over to give tom daly some comfort in his solitude if it might be possible by george yes bob morris did you know him i don't think he ever came out hunting hunting indeed how should he when he hadn't a horse that he could ride upon and bob knew nothing of sport "'the better for him, seeing the way that things are going now. "'No, he never was out hunting, poor fellow. "'But for downright innocence and kindness and gentleness of heart, "'there's no one left like him. "'And now they've murdered him. "'What is to be the end of it? "'There is purse telling me to hold on by the hounds "'when I couldn't keep a hound in the kennels at Asarach, "'if it were ever so.' "'Times will mend,' said Peter. "'And Rahiny Gorse fired as to drive every fox out of the country.' Perse is wrong and i am wrong to stay at his bidding the very nature of mankind has altered in the old country there are not the same hearts within their bosoms to burn a gorse over a fox's head there is a damnable cruelty in it of which men were not guilty by god they were not capable a year or two ago these ruffians from america have come and told them that they shall pay no rent and their minds have been so filled with the picture that its magnificence has overcome them they used to tell us that money is the root of all evil it proves to be true now. The idea that they should pay no rent has been too much for them, and they have become fiends under the feelings which have been roused. Only last year they were mourning over a poor fox like a Christian, a poor fox that had been caught in a trap, and now they would not leave a fox in the country, because the gentlemen they think are fond of them. The gentlemen are their enemies, and therefore they will spite them. They will drive every gentleman out of the country, and where will they be then?' here tom daly sat quiet for a while looking silent through the open window while peter sat by him feeling the occasion to be too solemn for speech after a while tom continued his ejaculations gladstone gladstone there are those who think that man to be great and good but how can he be great and good if he lets loose such spirits among us they tell me that he's a very amiable man in his own family and goes to church regular but he must be the most ignorant human being that ever took upon himself to make laws for a people he can understand nothing about money nothing about property nothing about rents i suppose he thinks it's fair to take away one man's means and give them to another simply because one is a gentleman and the other not a fair rent there's nothing i hate so much in my very soul as the idea of a fair rent a fair rent means half that a man pays now but in a few years' time it will mean again whatever the new landlord may choose to ask. And fixity of tenure, every man is to get what doesn't belong to him, and if a man has anything he's to be turned out. That is fixity of tenure, and freedom of sale. A man is to be allowed to sell what isn't his own. He thinks that when he has thrown half an eye over a country, he can improve it by altering all the wisdom of ages. A man talks and talks, and others listen to him till they flatter him that another God Almighty has been sent upon earth." it was thus that tom daly expressed himself as to the prime minister of the day but tom was a benighted tory and had thought nothing of these subjects till they were driven into his mind by the strange mortality of the foxes around him poor mr morris was buried and there was an end of him the cloth merchant's wife in galway got the property and as far as we can hear at present is not likely to do as well with it as her husband is with his bales of goods no man perhaps more insignificant than mr robert morris could have departed he did nothing, and his figure, as he walked about between Kong and Clonber, could be well spared, but his murder had given rise to feelings throughout the country, which were full of mischief and full of awe. He had lived mostly inoffensively, and yet he had gone simply because it had occurred to some poor ignorant tenant, who had held perhaps ten or fifteen acres of land, out of which he had lived upon the potatoes grown from two or three of them, that things would go better with him if he had not a landlord to hurry him for rent then the tenant had turned his mind to the best means of putting his landlord out of the way and had told himself that it was an easy thing to do he had not of his own much capacity for the use of firearms, but he had four pound ten which should have gone to the payment of his rent and of this four pound ten fifteen shillings secured the services of some handy man out of the next parish he had heard the question of murder freely discussed among his neighbours and by listening to others had learned the general opinion that there was no danger in it so he came to a decision, and Mr. Morris was murdered. So far the question was solved between this tenant and this landlord, but each one of the neighbors, as he thought of it, felt himself bound to secrecy, pro bono publico. There was a certain comfort in this, and poor Bob Morris's death seemed likely to be passed over with an easy freedom from suspicion. Any man might be got rid of silently, and there need be no injurious result." But men among themselves began to talk somewhat too freely, and an awe grew among them, as this man and that man were named as objectionable. And the men so named were not all landlords or even agents. This man was a sheriff's officer, and that a gamekeeper. The sheriff's officers and gamekeepers were not all murdered, but they were named, and a feeling of terror crept cold round the hearts of those who heard the names. Who was to be the keeper of the list, and decide finally as to the victims? Then suddenly a man went, and no one knew why he went he was making a fence between two fields, and it was whispered that he had been cautioned not to make the fence. At any rate he had been stoned to death, and though there must have been three at least at the work, no one knew who had stoned him. Men began to whisper among each other, and women also, and at last it was whispered to them that they had better not whisper at all. Then they began to feel that not only was secrecy to be exacted from them, but they were not to be admitted to any participation in the secrecy. And with such of the gentry as were left, there had grown-up precautions which could not but fill the minds of the peasantry with a vague sense of fear they went about with the rifles in their hands and were always accompanied by police they had thick shutters made to their windows and barred themselves within their houses those who but a few months since had been the natural friends of the people now appeared everywhere in arms against them if it was necessary that there should be intercourse between them that intercourse took place by means of a policeman a further attempt at murder had been made in the neighbourhood and was so talked of that it seemed that all kindly feeling had been severed men began to creep about and keep out of the way lest they should be suspected and indeed it was the fact that there was hardly an able-bodied man in three parishes to whom some suspicion did not attach itself and thus women would ask for fresh murders and would feel disappointed when none were reported to them craving as it were for blood and all this had come to pass certainly within the space of two years a sweeter tempered people than had existed there had been found nowhere nor a people more ignorant and possessing less of the comforts of civilization. but no evil was to be expected from them no harm came from them beyond a few simple lies which were only harmful as acting upon their own character as tom daly had said these very men were not capable of it a few months ago the tuition had come from america that no doubt was true but it had come by irish hearts and irish voices by irish longings and irish ambition nothing could be more false than to attribute the evil to america unless that becomes american which has once touched american soil but there does grow up in new york or thereabouts a mixture of irish poverty with american wealth which calls itself democrat and forms as bad a composition as any that i know from which either to replenish or to create a people a very little of it goes unfortunately a long way it is like gin made of vitriol when mingled with water a small modicum of gin though it does not add much spirit to the water will damnably defile a large quantity and this gin has in it a something of flavour which will altogether deceive an uneducated palate there is an alcoholic afflatus which mounts to the brain and surrounds the heart, and permeates the veins, which for the moment is believed to be true gin, but it makes itself known in the morning, and after a few mornings tells its own tale too well. These Democrats could never do us the mischief. They are not sufficient, either in intellect or in number, but there are men among us who have taught themselves to believe that the infuriated gin-drinker is the true holder of a new gospel. End of chapter 45